It's 2022, which means it's a renewal year and you need CEUs. 30 if you're in South Carolina, and three of those have to be on ethics, jurisprudence, and whatever else goes in that category. Look, the year's going by fast, and you can knock out all those requirements with a MedBridge subscription, and you can get 40% off with the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD. I have a friend named Shelly, and she's a little lazy. Her words, not mine. She hasn't done any Con Ed over the past year and a half until she got her subscription set up. And what she does is she just puts modules on her phone while she watches 90 Day Fiance. Great show, by the way. Is she learning anything? No. But is she getting the local governing bodies off her bat? Yes. Your subscription also includes NSCA credits, OCS certification prep courses, patient education, home exercise programs, EMR integration. There's tons and tons of resources. Again, use the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD to get 40% off your individual subscription. That's the best price that MedBridge offers, okay? Only the best for our listeners. Now enjoy the episode. Happy Monday from the Better Faster Podcast. Today, Brandon and I are talking about post-activation potentiation, or PAP. If you're a PT or a strength conditioning coach working with athletes, this is something I think you're really going to like. If you haven't already, go to iTunes and subscribe. Give us a five-star review. Leave a comment, a question. It's how we reach more people. It's also how we get a lot of topics for future episodes. Also, if there's a guest that you think we should interview, please don't hesitate to let us know. We really appreciate your feedback, and we look forward to talking about things that you want to hear. So thank you again, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Better Faster Podcast. Today, Brandon and I are going back into the gym to talk about a more complex topic within strength conditioning, and that is post-activation potentiation, or PAP for short. But first, before we dive into that topic, we have now been open for, uh, I guess, you know, almost two full weeks, and Wednesday will be two weeks. Brandon, how are things going on the clinic side? Man, it is going well. The word has gotten out to the community. We are overbooked now. So looking forward to getting another uh, PT on staff. Uh, Amy's coming on board in about three weeks. So uh, she'll be much needed. So really looking forward to that. She's an outstanding PT, but it's going well, man. We had our first group workout, whole crew. It was like 23 of us, I think, working mm -hmm. out on Saturday morning. That was awesome. That was a good time, man. Yeah, um, man. Yeah, to both of those points, having Amy is going to be awesome. Um, her you know, background in the iron game is awesome. And so it's always great to have another like-minded person in the building. I'm so excited to get to know her better. And I think she's going to be an excellent clinician. And like you said, you, know, you already need some help because uh, I think it's, uh, you know, you're having to open up some extra hours, which I, I commend you for that, man. And then, you know, the group workout, it was awesome. You know, we, uh, we've talked about doing that occasionally um, from more of like a, all employees and getting everybody together because, um, you know, our, our gym is primarily individual design. But it was awesome to have all the Vertex crew in on Saturday morning, get a nice long partner workout with some, you know, again, you know, basic movements that you could, could keep everyone moving. And it was just a great time, man. I'm excited to hopefully continue that trend. Yeah, man, we definitely do that on a regular basis. That's great team building, man. Everybody had a blast for sure. But um, what about you, man? You just got through your first week of clinical. I heard your CI is treating geriatrics by day and MMA fighters by night. Is that is that true? Yeah, I have. My CI is pretty cool, man. I'm really enjoying it. He actually, I've met him before. He uh, is Dr. Matthew Palmer. He uh, is also a grad of the USC DPT program and um, has 
um, you know, been an instructor, um, you know, in various courses and the management course and that kind of thing and is really, really um, efficient when it comes to knowing like everything there is to know about billing and Medicare and everything. So like I'm learning a ton in that regard. Um, it's been great. Uh, but yeah, he has a small cash practice that um, he does work with some uh, MMA t- uh, athletes and, you know, different types of athletes um, rather than what is, you know, the day job, which is at a skilled nursing facility. So uh, it's a pretty cool setup, man. Um, I, I commend him for it. And uh, I had a great first week, learned a lot. I'm actually enjoying working with this population a little bit more than I maybe anticipated. Um, I still, you know, haven't been able to, to, to implement, uh, you know, as much of maybe my strength conditioning background as I, I, I'm hoping to in the future. I'm hoping to build on that and, and kind of change maybe a little bit of how we, we treat this population. Um, and so, you know, hopefully it will be, you know, good in the long run. No, I'm sure, man, you might be surprised with how much you can actually incorporate with that population too. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know, we know the fountain of youth is, is grip strength, muscle, muscle mass and gait speed. So I think there's a lot you can incorporate for sure. Um, is Matt, is Matt doing MMA? Is he going to jump in a cage? How do you get <laughs> in with that population? I want to know the story behind that. I honestly, I'm not sure. So, you know, we're out in Sumter for this rotation and then he actually lives in Chapin. So it's a, uh, his cash box, he runs out of Chapin. So, um, you know, there's a hall. Yeah, I know. I know. I thought my drive to Sumter each day was was rough, but um, yeah, he's uh, definitely putting in the work to get there and back, and then seeing patients at night and on the weekends. So he's hustling, man. Uh, uh, I give him credit, and I'm hope I'll I'll, uh, I'll find out a little bit more about the MMA story, and we'll report back. Yeah, definitely. That, man, that's that's super interesting. Mm-hmm. See what else you guys got? Uh, body tempering course coming up in San Diego in a couple months. San so, uh, y'all got a little filming done from that. From what I'm saying. Yeah. Yep. We had the whole crew down. We were filming. Um, we were at, went to Donnie's, uh, yesterday, uh, um, and really got a lot of video of Donnie, you know, executing some techniques and talking through them and, uh, which is always great, man. Everybody wants to hear what's going on from, you know, from the horse's mouth, uh, himself. So, um, it, it's great to kind of immortalize a lot of that stuff with, uh, you know, with Donnie on video. Um, cause he, he puts out a lot of, you know, content already online. Um, but a lot of it, you know, too, he, you know, he's making jokes, he, you know, he's, he's having fun. He's with his, you know, with friends and, you know, whatever it might be, or he's not necessarily, you know, presenting it as a way of like a, a necessarily teaching. It's more about, Hey, check this out kind of thing. So this was good to really get down to kind of more of an instructional type of thing. Um, so really pumped to add this to our, our course repertoire, um, which, you know, again, yeah, uh, March 15th will be in San Diego. It's going to be fun. It's awesome, man. I'm so happy to see that Donnie's finally getting some recognition as things taken off. Dude, that's awesome, man. I saw Rogue actually came out with a new body tempering device too. What, did, what, what's that all about? That was brand new. I hadn't even heard about that. Is Donnie keeping that thing under wraps? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, it's been a little while in the making. I think from my understanding, you know, Rogue was thinking about doing it, then didn't want to do it, then was thinking about doing it, then didn't want to do it, and then finally decided, yeah, let's go through, let's go and do this. Um, and so uh, they start out with two sizes of roller, uh, rollers. There's a 50-pound and an 80-pound uh, for purchase. Uh, they are beveled in the middle. They've got some, so, you know, an interesting groove pattern on them that Donnie helped design. Um, they, they have cutouts on the sides able to put your hands in and with a little bit of a, a, a kind of a raised like a lip there to be able to to secure the roller um, really efficiently um, just because again safety is the most uh, you know the most uh, priority of anything so 
with that, um, it, it seems to be a really great design. They're, they're casted, so it's, it's something that might be a little bit more affordable than some of this drop-cut steel that most of the rollers are made out of. So I think they're planning on expanding their, expanding their lineup, eventually getting some heavier loads up to, uh, I'm thinking, maybe 150 pounds. So, yeah, Donnie's uh, actually flying up there soon, get some video done with the new rollers. Um, so it's definitely a big step for, uh, you know, legitimacy of body tempering. Yeah, those look pretty sweet. I just pulled them up. 50 and 80 pounds. It's like they just dropped three days ago. Mm-hmm. Yep. Rogue DT Tempering Roller. 95 bucks, man. That's not, that's not bad. 95 and 145. Mm-hmm. Depending on what the shipping cost is, that is not bad, man. It looks like Rogue finally found a way to make that affordable, too. That's, that's awesome, man. I think that's going to – I think it's going to be huge. That's going to take off. I mean, especially if Donnie is your spokesman. I don't know anybody more charismatic than that. So, uh, yeah, I don't see that. I see that being really successful. Yeah. Um, so let's get back to the topic, post-activation potentiation, PAP for short. Um, Josh, you might give us a rundown about you know, what it is, who it's for, you know, maybe just a brief about, I guess what we're going to get into is the kind of the, the when, how, and why, but um, what is PAP exactly? Right. So yeah, PAP is a short-term or acute increase in the force generation generation potential or capacity of a muscle due to a type of contraction before it. So um, I've been, you know, kind of, you know, I've heard this uh, talked about how like the ability for a muscle to contract is affected by its contract and contraction history. So uh, this is an idea that if we set up contract certain contractions back to back in different ways with the appropriate amount of rest period, we can actually have that first contraction affecting the second contraction positively. Uh, so uh, where we generally think oftentimes subsequent contractions um, often are, uh, you know, there's a, a, an amount of fatigue that sets in there and it can't, it's not necessarily a maximal contraction on the second one there. Um, if we structure this, uh, you know, appropriately, the idea is that a kind of a maximum but non-fatiguing voluntary contraction will then increase subsequent Submaximal contractions, if that makes sense. So uh, essentially, we're trying to basically make it to where we can generate more force than we would otherwise, and that is, you know, beneficial from a training perspective because then, you know, I ideally, you know, then there's a, a, an acute training effect, right, for that actual contraction itself. But then over time, hopefully, that creates adaptation that we're looking for 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 long-term progress as well. So kind of, you know, those acute bouts being able to build on each other. So um, it's definitely an interesting. Uh, topic. Why this happens, we don't really know. There's kind of two mechanisms by which this is thought to work. One is more at the muscle fiber level. So um, we know um, from a, you know, contraction standpoint, when a muscle fiber contracts, it has contractile elements, including actin and myosin. And for, um, you know, one theory here is that, um, the, the, that connection there is more sensitive to the release of calcium, um, which we know calcium there is what regulates um, muscle contraction there. We have to have calcium for contraction within the muscle fiber. So um, one, I, one thought is that it, there's sensitization there. Another thought, the second proposed mechanism is more um, increasing excitation of um, you know, sy- uh, synapses in the spinal cord. So that increases postsynaptic action potential. So the, the idea is there more of more a neurological change there at the synapse. So really, does it matter necessarily which one is the reason for that? Um, I don't really know, but ultimately we're increasing the force generating capacity of the muscle in some way. 
All right. So that was a, a lot of information there. So I just want to unpack that a little bit more or recap it. So essentially PAP is a theory. We don't know exactly why it's occurring, but we're thinking that it probably has something to do either with the nervous system, increasing neural drive, which was you always see about it whenever you see things online, like Instagram posts and stuff like that, or if you read some journal articles and you also mentioned that it could also be something occurring within the muscles themselves. It's talking about calcium, actinomyosis, and that kind of thing. But reality, it's, it's probably a little bit of both. And it probably doesn't actually matter what's occurring, right? It's more about how we implement this thing. And uh, essentially, from what I've seen, when people are actually implementing PAP, they're going to be pairing a heavy compound movement and following up with some kind of plyometric movement. In a nutshell, I think that's the simplest way I can sum that up. Is that correct? Yeah, that's definitely one of them. You can also kind of do super maximal contractions before kind of going for a max. For example, in a lift, you might pick up 105 or 110% of what you're trying to squat and then hold and then put it back, rest, pick up what you're actually trying to squat. And the idea, the the Verkashansky quote, and he's kind of one of the people credited as a pioneer. Um, it's like then lifting half a can of water when you think it's full. Um, that was kind of his quote there. So uh, you're basically just priming that nervous system, basically preparing those higher threshold motor units to contract. Um, so you can do it that way. Or as you mentioned, more of like what would be called either contrast training or com uh, complex training. You know, the, the verbiage doesn't really matter. But essentially, like you mentioned, you're doing like a you know three to five rep uh, set but again, not grinding reps because we're not trying to create fatigue. It needs to be a, you know, a maximal type contraction, but the weight still has to move at a decent rate and then follow that by some kind of light explosive movement um, uh, that you're trying to improve. Gotcha. And just to kind of give a really, really simple practical example here, I think everyone's probably felt this. You basically, whenever you drop a heavy weight and then you pick up a lighter one and it feels much lighter, it feels like a feather. That's probably an example of PAP. Maybe, maybe that's what's going on there. Not sure, but that's kind of how I think about it. And, you know, I got to think that if, if we're using the method of pairing the movements, um, mainly focusing on mostly concentric, I got to think that this is something that's got to be really good for an in-season athlete because it's going to be short and sweet. Again, not a lot of eccentric contraction, and it seems like it could potentially give a lot of bang for the buck. Am I right in that analysis? Yeah, I think that that is definitely a, one idea that could definitely work because uh, you are trying to pair, you know, biomechanically similar movements there. The actual, you know, heavy lift in this scenario isn't truly maximal. And it's not really grinding. So we're not anticipating creating, you know, a ton of, you know, f fatigue or soreness from that type of movement. And then, you know, our plyometric volume is still pretty small in a scenario like this, which, you know, also is probably not going to have long lasting fatigue effects. So in season, yeah, I can see this being used. Yeah, and there's actually stories about people doing this pre-competition. I think there was that one guy that had the world record in the or he won a gold medal in the Olympics, right? Yeah, uh, Ben Johnson. Yeah, yes. the, the story that's a story that uh, I think he's before he ran it was like a world record hundred. It was under 10, under ten. I don't remember the exact number that it was nine something. Um, he won the won a medal, and it was. Uh, apparently squatted like 600 for three reps, you know, right before going out there, which I think his coach came out and said that may have ne may not have actually happened. Um, but you know, it does make for an interesting story and, and kind of, you know, you know, might illustrate this point. Uh, and you know, there, there could have been other things that worked there. I think he also lost that gold medal later. Um, uh, so, uh, oh, he popped, right. Yeah, I think he did. Uh, you know, again, he, he was not the only person doing that. Yeah, he's that he's the only that got caught. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, apparently it was yeah, like 
10 minutes out of running the race, hit a huge squat um, for a few reps. And, you know, that, you know, in theory that, that would work, right. Cause we have that uh, acute increase in, you know, force generating capacity. And so you know, if I'm going to try to run the fastest hundred I've ever run in my life, you know, and I can do something for that, that uh, little window of time, you know, that makes sense. So I want to, I want to play devil's advocate with this too, because, you know, it seems like it's, it's a good thing as long as you do it safely. But then I go back to thinking about baseball, you're a collegiate baseball player, you know all about this, but you know, things like donuts and weighted bats and weighted balls. I mean, that stuff doesn't work, right? Has it been shown to actually decrease someone's velocity? And would that also be an example of PAP as well? Yeah, you're right. There's some, it's kind of counterintuitive. You know, we all grew up swinging the donut on the bat and, uh, and right before going up to the plate and feel like, oh, the bat feels so light. I'm swinging this so fast. But, you know, it seems that evidence doesn't necessarily support that. So um, similarly, weighted ball programs, there's, there's mixed reviews on that. It really depends on what camp you are. And oftentimes uh, the people pushing those, you know, pushing weighted ball programs are often selling the, the weighted balls themselves. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there's, there might be alternative motives or agendas there too. But there, then there are some, you know, people I respect in the baseball world that do, you know, utilize weighted ball programs at appropriate times. So I think, it, you, you, it, you know, there's a pl- time and place for – all types of tools. It just depends on the situation, but um, you're right. The research, not only from that population, but just on PAP in general is still varied. Um, There's not, you know, I wouldn't say that there is a very set, you know, methodology or protocol for how to ensure that this works. And as you mentioned, there is actually literature that, that uh, shows that combining, you know, those things, the, the maximal type contraction, and then something that's, that's lighter and more explosive actually can, you know, inhibit, phys- uh, you know, certain pathways and that actually, you know, you move slower. So it, I think it's, it's kind of a case by case basis. Um, but uh, it's definitely interesting for sure. I think from a, you know, I don't use it in, you know, for athletes that are, you know, newer and, you know, uh, I'd say not, not as, you know, not as well-trained or their training age is low, biological age is low. You know, for me, there's already enough low hanging fruit. Um, I don't need to get complicated. This is more for me, somebody that's a, you know, maybe a little bit more advanced, somebody that's really strong on the end of the spectrum that, you know, isn't necessarily explosive. And for whatever reason it is, um, you know, whatever reason they need to become a little bit more explosive. So if they're sitting on that stronger end, I might use that as well. But, um, again, it's more for somebody that, um, they're not going to be able to improve from more classic, um, basic periodization type schemes. So, you know, that's, that's where I sit on it. I don't use it a ton in my programs, but, um, yeah, I, I know we got a little off topic from the baseball example, but, uh, I think it's something that you should explore. People can explore and then kind of make the call for for yourself. Gotcha. So, so you if you, you, so if you did program this, it's going to be someone who is a little more experienced, has an older training age, someone who's a little more developed with, with, with their neuromuscular system. Mm-hmm. Um, someone who needs to be explosive. So maybe someone who's in a plateau. So you're just tweaking some things around to try to see what you can get out of it, essentially. Yeah, I think uh, those are all great examples. Yep, exactly. And so with that said, you know, we talked about things like pairings. Can you give us a couple examples of exactly how we would program this if we utilize it? What what would the movements be like? What would the the sets and sets and rep schemes look like? How much rest? Uh, maybe like two or three examples, if you. Yeah. No. I think so. The classic, you know, examples are you know is back squat and jump, a vertical jump, right? Um, that would be uh, you know kind of 
you know, the most basic one, because, you know, we're trying to have, you know, bioma biomechanically similar patterns, right? Because we're trying to recruit the higher threshold motor units for that action before doing that similar action again. It doesn't do us any good to do, um, you know, a, um, a plyo push-up necessarily following a, a heavy back squat there. At least it's not necessarily going to have the same carryover, right? So back squat, vertical jump is a big one. Um, I, I've even used this upper body like bench press into like a med ball throw, um, like a shot, like a chest pass type throw. Uh, you know, that's a, a, a good one there. Um, I, I, like I mentioned earlier, I, I will have some people every once in a while uh, use this prior to maximal effort, um, like strength movements. So example, say you're trying to back squat, you know, 400 for the first time. Well, I'll maybe put, you know, 445 on there, have you walk it out hold it there for 10, 15 seconds, feeling that weight again, you know, that's, that's, uh, you know, you're, you're having to now, you know, kind of, how do I word this, but you're trying to, you know, your body is kind of acclimating to what that's going to feel like, right. It's preparing itself for that and then re-rack it and then rest a couple minutes and go for it again at 405. So now you've felt that 445 and then now you're coming back to hit your first 400 pound squat. Um, and the weight, like, you know, for chance you mentioned, it feels, you know, like you're moving, you know, a half a can of water when your brain was prepared for a full can, if that makes sense. There. So I'll use it for that when going for maximal lifts. Um, you know, if I'm using it for more of the explosive situation, uh, I'm probably going to use maybe, you know, a weight that they can move three times fairly quickly. Um, so again, I hate using percentages because I think, you know, a percentages are going to differ for everyone. Some people, you know, three reps at 85% is a crazy grind. Some people can do 95% for, for three reps or close to it, um, depending on their nervous system development. So I, I want them to do something that is heavier for three reps, but isn't really grinding because I'm not training them to move slow and then go and do a set, a, a small volume of, of say high box jumps or vertical jumps or, um, jumping lunges, or, um, you know, I might do like a split squat, you know, weighted into jumping lunges or power skips or whatever it might be. You can even do, you know, broad jumps. I don't, don't do a ton of broad jumps in training, um, just cause I'm not a fan of you know, over landing like that over and over and over again. But hopefully you get the gist there. You're doing, you know, maybe a set of three to five reps at, you know, again, heavy, but not a real grind because we don't want the body to, you know, get used to moving slow right there. And then you go into a lighter set. Um, there is a lot of, I guess, opinions on how long you need to wait between sets. Um, some people are, you know, you know, you doing it, pretty close to that, you know, 30 seconds later. Um, some people will argue the window is more like anywhere from three to 12 minutes, depending on what you read. Um, I think if you wait too long, you, you probably are going to also lose those transient effects or that opportunity. So for me, I'm usually sticking, you know, I'll, I'll probably work more like the 30 second range for maybe some of those more explosive type movements like back squat into say uh, a box jump. Um, I usually would do like a minute or two in between feeling like a really heavy weight before going for then a slightly lighter weight. If that, you know, if you're trying to attempt to PR um, I'll vary it for different people based on how, you know, what, you know, what it looks like and how they feel. Uh, again, the research is pretty varied. So you're going to have some articles that, you know, suggest you need, you know, four or five minutes. You might have some that think you need 10 minutes. You have some that will show people doing it 15 seconds after the maximal contraction. So I, I, I don't know if there's an exact answer. Uh, and that's one reason why I don't use it all the time or with a lot of people, because for me, I like a little bit more clarity, but like you mentioned, if somebody is a little bit more, 
um, you know, middle more trained, maybe in a plateau, something, you know, something where I feel like they need something different where, uh, you know, classic strength uh, principles are probably not, uh, you know, going to give them a ton of benefit, then I might attempt to do something like this. And that would be, you know, something that's a new stimulus to, the, to their system. And I might be able to create some adaptation that way. No, I mean, I like that. Uh, I like that back squat example a lot. Um, I think somebody's going to PR their back squat. They try it this week. And I know that's something that Donnie does a lot too, right? When he's on the platform, those guys will actually put more weight on than what they lift and they'll just hold it for a while and then re-rack it. So that's a, obviously it works for elite power lifters. It's going to work for everybody else too. And I think that, um, or could work for everybody else. I think that, uh, you could also make it kind of sport specific as well too. So not necessarily swinging the donut, but I know some of my friends at the Tides Performance Institute just name dropped TPI again, uh, but I know that they will do things like a heavy chop or like a heavy pallet press. They'll go swing a golf club. And anecdotally, they'll see that they're swinging it faster, hitting the ball farther too. So I think that you can really just kind of get creative with it and make it applicable to whoever's in front of you. Yeah, definitely. I think that's great. And I think that's another great thing here is if you're working with somebody you can, you know, you can experiment a little bit, you can play around with it. I would, what I would encourage people to do is to, you know, look up the work of some strength coaches that are, are pretty well renowned. Um, you know, you hear again, the late Charles Paul Quinn um, is one of the first people I ever saw. Um, put something about this out there. Um, but even guys like I know you're, you're uh, a fan of uh, Charlie Weingroff, who's uh, great. He he has some stuff on this too. And you find guys like that and see how they're implementing it because, you know, they've done you know a lot of the research as well. I encourage you to do the research yourself, of course, too. But uh, you can often start there and then adjust based on, you know, what you're seeing and how the athlete's responding. Because oftentimes they'll tell you, you know, they'll tell you, man, I felt you know, like I could jump through the ceiling or that, you know, they'll, they'll tell you, man, I just felt slow. I mean, you'll, you'll get feedback, um, you know, from them. Uh, but I, I would, I would play around with it, uh, play around with it yourself first, probably. Um, and then try to really make sure, you know, it's the right situation and the right type of person to, to give it to. Cause you know, if this is a, a beginner, you know, they don't need to be doing this, you know, get them on a pretty standard linear progression, let them get strong first. And then, and then you can go through it. Yeah, for sure, man. End of one, definitely try it on yourself first. And another thing too is, you know, when you do have someone that is more well-trained, don't underestimate the power of keeping them entertained, just changing it up just a little bit. Even if you throw this in once a month, you know, just to, just to see how it goes. Um, it might be worth trying out in that scenario as well too. Mm-hmm. All right, man. Well, solid episode. I think that was uh, plenty of information for this week. So if you haven't already, be sure to head on over to iTunes, subscribe to the podcast so that you can then leave us a five-star review. Give us all the follows on social media. That's at Better Faster Podcast, at CPT underscore strength, at Vertex PT. Hope you all have a great week. We'll be back next Monday. This episode is brought to you by Vertex PT Specialist. One patient per doctor physical therapy per hour. Guaranteed. The best physical therapy ever. Check us out at VertexPT.com or on the gram at VertexPT.